This is the Capital Connection Unplugged, a podcast dedicated to conversations with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and visionaries who are shaping the financial world. From Wall Street to Silicon Valley and every global financial hub in between, we uncover the connections, strategies, and insights that drive the engine of global finance. And now, here's your host, Quentin West. This is the Capital Connection Unplugged. I've got an incredible guest with me here today, Caleb Marti. Now, this guy is super interesting. In fact, the first conversation we ever had, he opened up talking about a crackhead story living in a storage unit. And things just got more interesting from there, the the more we continued talking uh, over a couple of drinks with some guys. But I'm super excited to introduce this guy to you and, and help share some knowledge about real estate investing and building wealth. Uh, through real estate and business. So thanks so much for being here, Caleb. Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so we just kind of go into where we were talking about. And- yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. So who who is Caleb? Let, let's just start there. Who, who are you and, and what do you do? So I'm a multifamily investor from Southwest Missouri. Got about a thousand apartments and um, I guess it's probably 900 apartments and about a hundred retail spaces. Um, then we've probably got 600 storage units, a couple other businesses that we operate and, and team of probably 26, 28 people, something like that kind of fluctuates. Yeah. Still trying to acquire more in this area. Just really challenging right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. Well, well, I think you, you almost own the entire area from, from what I've heard. Uh, I'd say it's a, live in a pretty center. small town. Yes. Yeah, town of 45,000 people with, Maybe a two hundred fifty thousand MSA, so it's not not very big at all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, talk with us a little bit about how you got into real estate. I mean, it, from what I remember, like you haven't really been in the game, uh, you know, a, a very long time. Like you got a quick start. Yeah, I think we started in. I flipped a couple houses. I think beginning in middle of two thousand sixteen. So we're seven, almost eight years in now. Um, scaled pretty quickly. We started with single family homes. Uh, it actually, I had a, let me back up a little bit. I had an auto repair shop that just kind of kicked my butt all day, every day, you know, great income, but it was just a giant mousetrap. Yeah. So I was trying to look for ways of at least slowing down or getting out of it where it wasn't just consuming my entire life. And a real estate agent was a customer of mine and he came in and was talking to me. He's like, you need to flip a house. And I really didn't have any experience in it or anything, but he's like, I've got a house that's, I want to say 64,000 is what it could be bought for on foreclosure. I think you could sell it for 85. And so I ended up buying it and um, sold it for like 90, I think within three days. It's like, well, this was the easiest 20 grand I've yeah. ever made. <laughs> like I'm doing something wrong working for 75 or $85 an hour shop rate. And, yeah. Um, so that kind of just kicked it off, I guess. I still didn't like the flipping so much because it still felt like my job. Yeah. You know, the transactional side, I was really wanting to get more of the recurring income. And uh, I really liked contract income, you know, on the shop side of stuff with fleets and everything else. And so I really wanted to take that into the buy and hold sector of real estate. So that's where we started just buying and doing the bird model. Essentially, I didn't know that's what we were doing at the time, but bought a bunch of them, remodeled them, and then 
wanted to scale more and look at my 20% LTV portfolio that we had built and <laughs> decided yeah. it was time to extract in some equity out of there to grow. And I think 2018 is when we started buying multifamily. Yeah. So that's where we really started to scale quickly. I can't remember exactly how many units, but maybe 70 single family homes and then went to multifamily in late 18. So how long did it take you to get to 70 though? Two years, probably. Okay. And, and how did you do it that quickly? Cause I mean, typically to get to 70 houses, I mean, that's most people's lifetime worth of work to get to 70 houses. Um, there was a few pretty decent, um, and I say houses, there was probably three or four, fourplexes in there and a yeah. couple of duplexes. you know, it was, I, it's single family. So not necessarily houses, but, um, I bought a package of 15 to 20 in there another eight to 10 package gotcha. um, had pretty good financing terms. It was like 15% down. And then I was using cash flow for my businesses to finance the remodels, which okay. wasn't, but I just, I was trying to just get 70 single family homes, pay them all off. And then that would be my retirement. So I was just thinking seventies where I was going to stop. And yep. So really it was just acquiring them just as fast as the cash flow would come off my business. And I was doing creative stuff where it was, um, you know, pulling money off of credit cards, even to get stuff closed. Yeah. And just, know how that is. you know, just whatever funds I could get my hands on, I was putting back into real estate and then struck a couple of deals that were like some seller carry backs where they'd carry 15 or 20% back. Yeah. And it gave me eight, months to get them kind of fixed and stabilized. And so right around that two year mark is when the first chunk of my properties were really stabilized and the bank would let me cash them out to buy more. Gotcha. So what does a loan look like on something like that? Like, cause I'm, I mean, I, I've gotten a traditional, you know, 20% down loan before, but never a portfolio loan. Is there a major difference in that or how does that work? No. So, I mean, these were just small banks, you know, that, um, they do five-year fixed, extremely easy walk in a lot of piece of paper, hand financials over, and they tell you when the closing date is, um, okay. I was usually into prime. Um, now that I'm a little under prime on most of our stuff, but rates are high. So we can get a little better deal than most, but, um, the financing is honestly pretty easy on the single yeah. family home gets a little more complicated on multifamily, mostly because you get into lending limits. Like a lot of the smaller banks in our area have five to $10 million lending limits. So if you buy a $10.8 million, well, I think one of it was 12.3 million that we did on a purchase price. And the loan ended up coming in around 9 million and some change. And when you're that close to the lending limit of that bank, that bank's not usually comfortable with doing the deal. Or if you already have some loans with them, like one of the banks that I really wanted to use on that $12 million project, it would have put them a million over their lending limit. And so I had to go to a bank that I normally deal with and get the financing and it fell through three days before closing. Ended up having to go to another bank that I was still over their legal lending limit. So I had to put extra cash down on it. And so it's just weird obstacles that you run into in the Midwest, probably more than 
you know, East Coast, a bank with a $10 million lending limit's probably a single branch, you know, yeah. here that's a four branch uh, bank, but uh, maybe more than that. So it may be a different obstacle on the coast, but here it just banks aren't very big. And if they are very big, they're so corporate run that they can't really even do commercial lending. Yeah. I gotcha. So is there anything you did, you know, that you look back now and you're like, well, I, I would have done that differently or I may have gotten into commercial faster. Like what, what would you have changed if anything? Probably would have just straight, went straight into apartments and kind of skipped the single family homes. Yeah. I think it would have, it would have been easier on me, even though it sounds stupid to say that it just, the uh, I could have structured the deal better to and go right into a 50 or a hundred unit complex because my business had enough um income and um you know it was open for like seven or eight years at that time so it was um good stable business so they would have financed me on it and i could have got a seller to carry back enough to where i could have stretched my cash quite a bit farther got management and maintenance hired right out of the gate instead of having to do it all myself up front that's probably my biggest regret is just waiting so long to go to multifamily yeah. and then not starting more banking relationships. Cause if you want to do a lot of borrowing, it takes a lot of bank relationships. We've probably got 20 bank relationships that we still use. You know, we've dealt with 30 or 32 banks. I think was in the last deal I was looking at and only about 20 of those can even do anything. Yeah. You know, they, the rest are just about worthless, but yeah, I, got I would you. say those top two for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, not everybody, I mean, I guess they could if they raise money and, and things like that, but there's a higher beard intro. I feel like getting into multifamily. Um, it I mean, feels, but it, there's the opportunity for partnerships in it, like JV deals. Yeah. And so you can, um, like Micah, he's one of the kids that is in my group and he bought a 24 unit um, complex or he contracted it and he couldn't close it. So I partnered with him on it to close it and he yeah. got it closed. Now then he's got history with my banker and my bank. And so now that he's buying a, um, I think a 19 unit um trailer park and some fourplexes i don't remember the breakdown on it but this is all within a year and he's doing it all on his own you know he doesn't gotcha. need me anymore for relationships. So they wouldn't close he's, him because he didn't have the history or something the first time yeah he actually still right now doesn't have a tax return he was <laughs> okay i mean, he didn't have a job before that didn't um i think he did some little side jobs but not really anything that you could put on a tax return to claim his yeah. income so he couldn't do the first deal where a person with, you know, 80 to a hundred thousand a year income probably could have signed the debt and got away with it with a good banking relationship, but he was just able to borrow my banking relationship. And then now then since he's made his payments for seven or eight months on it with no issues, and he, they know he's got equity in that project. Now, now they're funding him on another project. And so gotcha. he pretty much time collapsed. All the stuff that took me, you know, three or four years to build, he's able to just go right into it. Yeah, and that's that's all. So, did he use his credit? Um, on the second one, he is. 
So he used um, your credibility and your credit mm-hmm. close on the deal. He just basically yep. structured the deal. He put it together. Yeah. And then he got 50% of it. And then he gets a management fee to manage it and gets paid every time a remodel is completed on a unit. He makes, I want to say seven or 800 bucks. I may be wrong, but it's somewhere around that. And so he's incentivized to complete the project. Um, gotcha. Did he put up the money too, or did he raise it? So I actually helped a little bit on this side of it because it was his first deal. I restructured the deal for him where it was just less money out of pocket for him. Yeah. And then um, he had already raised 5% of the deal. And so I got the deal restructured where just that 5% was all we had to put down on it. Okay. And then finance all the construction proceeds. So I think we'll be like 1.3 million all in and it's probably worth 2.1, 2.2, something like that. Awesome. And 50% of that is his, right? Yeah. And now that he doesn't need a partner anymore on it, he can just continue yeah. growing from there. He didn't have to do it, you know, one single family home at a time. Because um, the apartments, you know, you can remodel one in four to five days for paint, flooring, light fixtures and all that. Yeah. Or if it's a house, it's best case four or five weeks most of the time. And yeah. so it just makes it so much easier and quicker to scale. For and sure. If that was a 40 deal that he did first, um, it probably would have been just as easy, you know, because the yeah. debt that we signed, I the signer on it. And he would have just had that much more credibility going into his next deal. Gotcha. So and what, now he can do big loans. Yeah, true. True. So I, I guess he can match basically what he's already done. Is that right? Like since he did a 1.3 deal, he could do another one? Or will they let him do like a three or five million dollar deal? They'd probably at least let him do the same size, maybe 50% larger on his next deal. But yeah. they do like the um you know just a smooth scale they don't really like to see because it was yeah. really challenging the largest deal that i had closed was four million dollars and then i went and did a 27 million dollar deal that we closed and yeah. that was really really challenging i could luckily all of our financials worked for it but i should have been splitting it up more yeah yeah Banks, you know, smaller chunks of it yeah. because it was so large that um, most banks just got scared at that size alone. Yeah. And it probably had to do with all of mine were a bunch of two to four million or two to five million, maybe is my largest that I had before that projects. And so it just didn't didn't make sense to a lot of banks up front. Yeah. So I'd say he into something similar. Gotcha. So what what attracts somebody like you to a deal like that? So like if say I didn't have I didn't have good credit, I didn't have money, but I was able to raise funds from other people, um, but I still needed the credibility, I still needed somebody to sign the loan. Like how can I talk somebody like you or somebody else into signing on that for me? So I kind of cultivate those relationships inside of our group um, where it's like, what can you do? I mean, what are you good at? Can yeah. you capital? Can you operate a deal? You find a deal, like where does that fit in? And then how do we break the equity up by what you're bringing to it? You know, so we break up the money's usually half of the deal, then uh, the operations are the other half. And it's not an exact science, but you know, with Mike and I's deal, we went 50 50. 
normally I don't go 50-50, but I say normally. Up until that point, I hadn't been doing 50-50 partnerships. I was maybe like 40% for sign-in debt. Yeah. But on people that have no experience in the marketplace, I take 50% with um, some contingencies in there, you know, that as long as they perform and do all the things in the operating agreement, they remain at 50%. If I have to take over management and maintenance and all that stuff, then um, we have a claw back to where you can take up to like 85 or 90% of the total equity. And they really just have a fee for finding the deal and putting it together. Gotcha. Um, but I, I really try and get everybody just looking at those deals and those structures so that a person that's coming into it that maybe has a deal, and you know, there's a lot of value in a contract, as you know. Yeah. So if somebody brings the contract, I'm either going to buy the contract or partner with them. I prefer to buy the contract, but um, certain people, it just makes sense, you know, because I know they're capable of doing more than just wholesaling apartment buildings, you know, if yeah. they should be owning them. And so yeah. those are the ones I usually push to buy. Definitely. And what are you guys doing to find deals? Like if I wanted to go out right now and buy, you know, a 20 unit apartment complex the next year, what, what would you advise me to do to set me up for success? I would say the number one thing for me has been pretty direct networking. So I really find a few of those guys that have a bunch of units and get in to start building relationships with them. Not like, hey, just whenever you're ready to sell, I want to buy. Yeah. It's, hey, we're in doing the same things. You know, I'm in yeah. the same business. We can talk the same language. Everybody likes to talk crazy stories on rental properties, right? So it's easy to have those conversations with those guys. And there's very few of us in the grand scheme of things. Like in my market, there's probably... There's probably five of us that own over 400 doors. And so it's a pretty small, like when you start actually looking into it, it's a small niche uh, group. And so it's easy to meet one, meet the next one. Then you can name drop this two and you meet the third one as you're calling lists and stuff. Because that's what I do is I just go through my list of properties in my market and I just kind of start looking at has it sold in the last three years? If it has, then I'll go ahead and just pull it off my list because it's likely that it traded at too high of a price point for them to have much equity in. Yeah, And then I kind of come through that and see what their debt looks like on compared to unit count and see if it looks like a possibility that you know there might be some equity in there for me to buy. And then I kind of just keep hammering that list with calls, not like robo calls or anything else. I like to do them myself so that it's, Multifamily is not as, um, what would you call it? Emotional. Yeah, it's really just like when you call them guys, they're probably not going to be like, oh yeah, I need to sell right now. Yeah. You know, family emergency or I'm going bankrupt. It's just very, very uncommon to get that. So it's really build the relationship and, uh, Wife's trying to get some. Uh, That's all right. Property. We'll just cut that out. 
<laughs> um, what were we talking about again? You're saying it uh, commercials not as emotional. Yeah, it's just, like those guys are really just planning their future a little bit more. So you have to kind of relate to that side of it and just be there in the back of their head whenever that time comes when they decide they're ready to sell because it's not going to be um, like spontaneous. It'll be yeah. a plan. You just need to be like, I'm going to be the easiest one for you to sell to. Don't pay an agent, you know, fees yeah. or anything else. Just let's strike a deal and you get one deal done with that cluster of uh, people. And then you can go to the next one and say, I just bought his and ask him how the process went, yeah. you know, and only you do a good job. They'll say, yeah, it was easy. Didn't hassle me at all. He's going to get to buy every one of them that I sell. Yeah. And I've been able to do that with probably three to five of the guys that I kind of have a first right of refusal on all the stuff that they sell. And they don't liquidate. It just, hey, I think I'm going to sell this one. Maybe roll into something bigger later. If they find a large project, they might sell something small off. But yeah. um, I just don't pass any of them up because if you miss them one time, it might be 10 or 20 years before that same property comes up for sale again. Then I have to ask my, is it worth not paying this price to possibly pay double that in 15 years? Yeah. I just probably a little more aggressive than most on that side of it. You know, yeah. as long as I make project work, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. I gotcha. So you got like a thousand units right now. I mean, where do you want to be ultimately? What's the, what's the end goal, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now? It changes all the time, but like right now I could easily see the path to 2,500 units. Um, at 2,500 units, I think we're going to have to restructure the management side some, hopefully not a lot. Like hopefully we're evolving along the way, but I can just see that it's going to be, I can see the path to 1500 really easy. I can see the path to 2000 from there. It starts getting like, ah, I don't know what pieces we're going to be missing as far as um, operationally, you know, yeah. connect all the dots. Cause it, even at a thousand units, we're slower to turn stuff than what somebody with 50 units are because there's so many hands it has to go through from the application process to uh, leasing to the management to the maintenance. It's just, the communication between all of that is very, very challenging. Yeah. At twenty five hundred doors, it's not going to be any easier. That's for sure. So, yeah. Hopefully, we can solve that. And then, um, I know some guys that have in that fifteen and eighteen thousand unit range, and so I can kind of see how they structure. I I don't like their structure, so I'm going to do it differently. But I can at least see if they did it then there's a good chance I can do it as well. So it'll just be 30 year process probably. Yeah. Just keep accumulating. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I got, I got one more question and then we can kind of wrap things up. But if, if somebody wanted to get to where you are today, like what's the number one thing you would tell them to do? Um, I would say the number one thing would be start raising capital now, even if you don't have to have it, you know, getting people that have done a 15 or $20,000 deal with you, you know, put 20 grand in your deal, you handed them money with a profit back and start building that relationship early on because I didn't raise capital for a long time. Yeah. So now that 
you know, I've always been funding my own deals. And so as I started raising capital the last couple of years, my life got so much easier with that. I wasn't trying to save up a million to put it down on the next deal. And uh, I could just raise three or 400,000 and only put 700,000 down. And then it leave me cash reserves. And then I could save up and do another deal. And um, now then there's probably not an amount of money I couldn't call up and get if I had to. But um, if I would have started year one, I'd probably be twice the size, if not three times the size. I was yeah. raising some cap. And I, I was mean, talking. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Austin Rutherford, he spoke to our group at our mansion mastermind. He said the same thing. Now he doesn't spend any of his own money on any of his deals. He raises yeah. every bit of it. And he said, it's the number one skill that has allowed him to build to where he is today. So yeah, I, I'm is. seeing a trend here. You know, a person can do it on their own, but man, it's brutal. Like it just, yeah. you're constantly broke, you know, trying to get um, that next deal saved up for. And probably after that, it'd just be operations, you know, making sure you have operations dialed in. So that's where we see a lot of big operators getting their teeth kicked in right now is yeah. have a lot of deals, but they don't know how to manage them. And if you don't know how to manage them, it's not a fun business to be in. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I definitely appreciate you, Caleb, and everything that you've shared with us. Uh, guys, thanks. Thank Caleb. Go, make sure you go to the show. Uh, if anybody wants to connect with you, what's the best place for them to do that? You know, I really like, I've got Instagram, but I'm not very good at checking it. Facebook's what I prefer. Caleb Marty on Facebook. Um, shoot me a message on there add me, follow me, um, reach out to me if I can help with anything. Absolutely. I would say the, the friend request is worth the entertainment alone. Caleb posts some yeah. really entertaining content <laughs> to say the least. There's always something going on, but, uh, always. absolutely. Well, thanks guys again for listening to this episode of the capital connection unplugged. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. We sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. And if it feels so inclined, please leave us a review and share the show with your friends. It is how new people find the show. Until next time.